Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Launch AMA. I'm your host, Sam Chan, uh, VP of Programs here at Launch. And today I'm joined by Justin Wong, uh, co-founder of Battlefy, longtime launch alumni, uh, current launch captain. Uh, welcome, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate you spending some time with us. I think it, this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is our first AMA of the year. Can't really remember now. It's the, the first month has been a little bit blurry. Um, went by really quick. <laughs> it's, it's been a little bit crazy. I'm um, just heading into Q1 of 2024. But uh, for those in the audience that don't know you, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I'm Justin. And uh, I grew up playing video games, building websites. Uh, I graduated from University of British Columbia here in Vancouver from the Cognitive Systems degree. So I have a computer science, psychology, philosophy, linguistics, kind of integrated sciences background. Um, was always interested in kind of like robotics and machine learning, AI, UX and stuff. Had a lot of interest in, uh, at university. And, you know, after that, I worked at EA for a year and the entrepreneur, uh, itch kind of got me. And so I started a company. It was in the kind of social giving space. Um, we failed a few times, you know, pivoted many times. And then went back to EA for a little bit and then started working on Battlefy. And now 12 years later, here I am. Crazy, man. Crazy. We're going we're gonna to get more into that. But um, just a little bit of housekeeping as I see more and more people rolling in. If you do have a question for Justin, could be anything about his career or maybe his thoughts or opinions on Topic X, feel free to fire in the, the Q&A if you're in that live chat. If you're listening to this later, you can consider you know, becoming a Launchpad member by going to launchacademy.ca slash launchpad and you can join us for the next sessions. Uh, but for the folks here, you get to talk to Justin directly. Um, so I'll make sure that you guys get a chance to do that. Um, but yeah, going back to, you know, you talking about, you know, you going to UBC, um, your, your, your major was computer engineering, right? At that time. Computer science, yeah. What, when you were kind of going into that and kind of just, you know, building your education like was the plan to eventually start your own product build your own company or something else altogether yeah i guess i had very supportive parents growing up who always kind of nudged me into kind of starting my own business thinking that way um so in, even in high school i had my own kind of uh you know um business kind of building websites so it growing up that wasn't so new to me in my in my headspace so yeah i I think i always wanted to come out and and work for myself was that were your parents entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial well my dad's a chinese calligrapher uh so being an artist and a teacher you kind of have to be a little entrepreneur right you you, it's kind of your own business right when you go and find students teach them and uh being an artist as well so um, there was a lot of that. My dad had a publishing business. And so he always, I always kind of seen some of the stuff that he's done. Um, so that kind of influenced me growing up. Mm -hmm. And then was Battlefy like the first company you, you built yourself? Or I guess you mentioned a little bit about, you know, being, being a contractor and things like that, building websites as well. Yeah. Yeah. I had, you know, my kind of own business in high school, kind of growing up, um, building websites here and there, like PHP. Python, Django, things like that. Um, and then right after graduation, I, uh, with, with my co-founder, um, started a, a social giving app 
Um, there's a whole bunch of ideas we tried. And then uh, Battlefy, um, us being gamers, uh, this was uh, after a couple of years after our first venture. Um, and we decided to kind of do something that we really uh, are passionate about in the gaming space and uh, had friends uh, who were organizing tournaments. And so it made a lot of sense to see if we can kind of solve some problems for them. For those that don't know, Battlefy was the first ever company incubated at launch. So, so I've told that story off camera a couple of times. I'd like you to tell that story. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, my co-founder note knew Ray and, uh, I guess launch was kind of starting. Um, this was a time when you guys didn't have like even office space. So I think we were kind of walking up to, uh, we, you guys were borrowing space from a game studio. So there was like a few couple, couple of tables, conference room, which we can use. So we kind of just walked into this gaming, uh, company. We sat down, we started working and everyone's looking at us. It's like, Oh, who are these guys? Um, so I guess, you know, they didn't fully announce that on the first day. It's like, who, who these people are. So we, we just got to work. Um, and, and off we went from there. So it was really cool, uh, to see how scrappy it kind of started and then all the great things throughout the years that, uh, lots was able to do. Yeah, it was April 1st, 2012. It was a Saturday. And that's why no, there was no announcement that there were a couple of new companies here. I think people mm -hmm. just assumed it was like new hires or something. <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> sat down and got to work, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, I, I guess we've mentioned it a couple of times, but but what is Battlefly? Like just for those that maybe they're not familiar with gaming or not familiar with the, with the platform itself. Yeah, we work with uh, kind of competitive video games, uh, PvP. So player versus player. Um, and we built a platform for esports tournaments, uh, which is competitive video games. So not like single player games, story driven games, not those ones, but very competitive games like League of Legends. Uh, so we always kind of, at the very beginning, we always kind of say like, oh, it's kind of like basketball for nerds. You know, you have 5v5 and you kind of go around and, and try to kill the enemy's team's nexus. So those types of games. And what we've done is we built a lot of tools for organizers to create and manage those tournaments throughout this whole very stressful uh, event. And then for players, they can discover and play in uh, tournaments for the games they love. Yeah, yeah. I think to, to hop on that basketball analogy for a second is kind of like when you want to organize your own tournament, you need a gym, you need other bookings, you need refs, mm -hmm. you need different teams to come together. Those teams need to make sure they're sitting to eat next to each other, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, the bracket, does where, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, does the scheduling, all that kind of stuff, right? And that's, so that's like, that's really cool. But like, why did you and I guess Jason, your co-founder kind of decide it was like a problem worth solving, right? And, 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 and I, I wanted to find that in a sense that obviously you guys were gamers, like this scratched your own itch, but a lot of people scratch their own itches. They don't become 10 year plus businesses, right? So, so where, where did it become something like, oh, I could, we could build this and it could become like a, a functional company that grows. Yeah, I think a lot of things kind of came together when we started uh, Battlefy. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it is entrepreneur advice where it may not be the best to kind of scratch on it sometimes, but we were very passionate about gaming. Um, we understood kind of even uh, for, for many years already in South Korea, um, StarCraft tournaments and, and that scene has been there. So 
Um, we know it's something that uh, gamers kind of really enjoy. It's not something that was very mainstream at that time, but we saw kind of with the rise of uh, Twitch and stuff, you know, people were starting to watch video games. So, um, you know, combine that with uh, our passion, some knowledge about, you know, successes. Um, and so we kind of just like, hey, this is something that we w- believe in. And we see that there is a lot of passion and we want to try to make it work. Okay. And then so very generally speaking, I know there's multiple revenue routes, but like what's, what's kind of like the, the business model? Like how, how do you guys function and sustain and grow? Yeah, primarily right now, um, we are B2B and we um, kind of work with game developers and other brands who want to get into space. And, you know, uh, you might know that uh, as gamers, um, we're very passionate, which means, you know, we really care about the, the rules of the game, the competitive integrity. So if anything goes wrong in that area, you know, gamers can be very vocal, you know, on Twitter, social media, et cetera. So what we do is we, you know, through our platform, we found the best kind of tournament organizers, tournament admins from our platform. We hired them, paired that with our technology. We take that to game developers and other brands so that they can enter the esports market safely, right? Because we have the expertise. We make sure the events run successfully and their brand doesn't get flamed on social media when things go wrong. So we manage kind of all that for them. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and I have a, I have a question from the audience here. How many years did it take you to seal real traction with Battlefly after you were incubated with launch? Walk us through through that up and down timeline a little bit. Yeah. Our company was really split with B2C and B2B focus. So when we started uh, Battlefy, we were really focused first on kind of the, the, the player base. So the tournament organizers. Um, so uh, that that's the segment that we really focused on. So they were in really need for tooling to make their uh, life easier as, as an organizer. So one of our uh, first kind of users is like a community group in Seattle. They were running um, kind of captain's draft, which is like, you know, in elementary school, you have captains and then they pick <laughs> up kids to be on your team, right? Uh, and they were using like Facebook and spreadsheets and all that stuff to to organize their tournament, which means they could only run one uh, per week. So it was really tedious. You know, we started building our, our tools for them and uh and they could start being more efficient and they start running two a week etc and then starts kind of growing that way and all of a sudden we started hearing from like you know someone from league of legends long island group you know started reaching out to us on facebook it's hey i heard you have a product so we really started tackling you know problems that these organizers have and then the traction's kind of um you know started snowballing there where the gaming community kind of spread the word themselves. Say, oh, there's this good tool. Can we kind of sign up and, and use it? Uh, so that's how we kind of initially get started, um, which was really kind of solving problem for tournament organizers. Uh, then kind of the second phase really is because these organizers brought on their communities of players, um, we start experimenting more with the, the network model, um, be able to discover tournaments from other organizers, other games that you may like. So we had that network effect. Um, once we had that going, uh, we were able to kind of switch to the B2B business, right? 
we have a good core community. We have platform that's tested. Um, we can, you know, like I said before, we can take our technology and services to, uh, our customers. Awesome. Yeah. And I got another question from Mustafa here. I really like this one. So I'll, I'll read it out. Mm -hmm. Like when you're early staging, we're still talking about those early days, maybe the Seattle group, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. People like the concept, people like the product, but, and you're the perfect person to ask this because, because you were the, you're the CTO. Mm -hmm. Um, you know that there's a lot of bugs, there's a lot of technical things, maybe scale issues as well. Maybe, maybe it grew faster than you anticipated, mm -hmm. different things like that. And you have a lot of new features you want to develop. How do you justify kind of charging them, knowing that, you know, in your mind, you might be a perfectionist developer. I'm not exactly sure. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, this could be so much better. And I want to charge them when I get to the that level. Right. Um, yeah. How did you handle that? I guess personally and in, in both, you know, as a company. Hello, fellow tech startup founders. I just want to quickly interrupt this episode to tell you about us at launch. If you're looking for a community to help you take your business to the next level, consider joining our Launchpad program. As a member, you'll get access to investor connections, programming, workshops, mentorship, and over $400,000 worth of perks. Also, don't forget to check out our other podcasts, Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes, for expert advice and stories from the tech community in Vancouver and around the world. Visit launchacademy.ca to learn more and start building your dream business today. That's launchacademy.ca. Let me take a moment to shout out our longtime sponsor, Smythe. They are a leading independent VC-based accounting firm specializing in providing financial services and consulting for tech companies across North America. Smythe has supported our program and our alumni throughout their early growth stages by helping them structure and set up their businesses, all the way to helping more established businesses with cross-border operations and M&A. They combine industry knowledge with a proactive, collaborative approach, empowering you to make more informed decisions as your business grows. So if you're looking for a trusted partner to help you drive your business to success, reach out to one of our Launch Academy's longtime mentors, Camelia Ho, for more information about how Smythe can support your growth. You can find Camelia's information on Smythe's website at smythecpa.com. That's S-M-Y-T-H-E-C-P-A.com, along with more information about the various industries they support and the services they provide. Well, I think we actually took the approach that, you know, 12 years ago, the um, startup scene was very different. You know, we went for the um, scaling up users approach. So we kind of had a vision where we didn't want to charge the gaming community because they're so passionate about esports. We wanted to grow. So the early days, we really decided to, um, you know, listen to our users, give them those tools for free because we know that we can take uh, a lot of what we have and kind of go to businesses and later on and, and try to um, kind of monetize there. We did experiment with, uh, you know, some features to, to monetize on the players, but ultimately we kind of switched into the B2B model um, once we uh, had this platform where people are using it and, you know, just try to go to customers and, and see, hey, you know, how can we help you get into the space the specific demographics that you're really targeting. We had, you know, 18 to 35 year olds um, on our platform engaging. Do you want to get into the space? And once we start getting some interest, um, we will start to kind of talk about like, you know, how we execute with them. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think what, um, if I can expand a little bit on that question, mm -hmm. um, I think the, the crux of what Mustafa is trying to ask is, is that when you're, when you're building something that's 
I think we regularly in yeah, in gaming, we use the word beta a lot. Something yeah, alpha. Yeah. Um, different terms like that. Are are you able to monetize from beta or from alpha? Um, and and from a I guess from your your CTO lens, like would you, knowing that it's a half not half baked product? You know what I mean? I I don't want to say that, but it's not mm-hmm. finished. Yeah, I think you can definitely work with your user base, and they would understand. There's oftentimes you know when we have to build new features and test with a community, and you know we would tell them, look, this is an alpha feature. We want some of your community to come on and, and, and try it out um, beforehand. And everyone's very passionate and very open to, to giving that a go. So I think, you know, I remember very clearly, like the first kind of event uh, was actually uh, one of the first early like live events was actually here in, at the Richmond Oval, Olympic Oval. Uh, they were hosting a LAN tournament and I basically brought my laptop because I knew some features might not be fully tested. Um, I, I had the database open. Like, oh, if I needed, like, you know, uh, fudge some of the entries there to make it kind of show up and work, I, I would. Um, I would definitely go and, you know, talk to users. You know, let them know what state it is in. But yeah, you have to test and see, like, hey, would someone pay for that product? Uh, it's a little different landscape back then, where you know we were really focused on kind of user growth, um, but. Especially these days, I think you would want to see, you know, what the value proposition you have and how strong it is. Yeah, I think I think you you would bang on with this, you know, that just last line, right? Like, I think it really comes down to is your is your proposed solution better than the existing existing like options, right? Like in 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 your guys' example, people were using Google spreadsheets, maybe even just pen and paper times, right? Like maybe yeah. draw names out of a literal hat, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, hey, if Battlefly has an online platform, I don't need to go to my buddy's house to draw names out of a hat for our, our, our tournament this weekend. Yeah, I'll pay 10 bucks for that because I'm paying five bucks for gas just to go to my buddy's house anyway, right? Mm, yeah. So in that essence, even if the early days Battlefly platform was buggy or, or you'd have to tap save 18 times, whatever, right? Like, I, of course, I'm making this up and, and this doesn't exist. Like that's still, to me, worth it to spend the $10, meaning my value prop was strong enough, right? Yeah, you, your early users are those early adopters, right? They really understand the vision that you have and they're bought into that. So, yeah. you know, I don't think they are necessarily worried about, oh, that something doesn't work here or not. Especially if you let them know you're working with them. Uh, they are very keen to be like, oh, someone's actually listening to my problems and are willing to work on it. Yeah, this is great. You know, yeah, yeah, and I think just to wrap it up, like one one of the one of the biggest games right now, you and I both know is is Pal World. Pal World mm-hmm. is a beta placed game. They charge I think like forty Canadian dollars for the game. They've mm-hmm. had something like twenty or thirty million users in the last month. Yeah, paid paid users. The game is is crazy buggy. <laughs> um, it barely works half the time. Half the servers are crashing all the time because they didn't expect this many people to play the game. Um, yet people are still paying for it. Right. And I think the, the encouragement specifically for you, Mustafa, just, I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm making this clear is that like, sometimes entrepreneurs will get in their own way, right? Like you think in your head, it's not good enough to be charged. It could be better. Right. Versus how confident are you in your value prop? Right. Like if you're really convinced that 
the problem you're solving with your company is, is worth solving and it's going to alleviate a lot of pain for a lot of people, that itself will be worth the money. And I don't mind having a couple bugs here and there. Like the course, core functionality has to work, right? Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't need to be perfect. So, so I think it's sometimes a lot of entrepreneurs I see, they're just not asking for the money. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a trend in gaming for a few years now, like early access, right? One of the biggest titles last year, Baldur's Gate, single player RPG, but they did early access for like four or five years or something. I remember I, I paid for it, I, knowing the game won't launch for years, but you know, I, I'm like, oh, this is a developer I like. I'm going to support it. Um, they kind of did the first act. Uh, so you can kind of play through the systems, get feedback while they tune and add more content. And so it really involves the customers. So, and they get money ahead of time, right? It's early access. You still pay for it. So you're kind of putting down like, Hey, I support what you're doing. You're listening to me. I'm willing to kind of put some money down for it. So I think it is a good way in a lot of different, uh, scenarios. Like Kickstarter, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Awesome. Great questions. Uh, keep them coming. Um, next on my list, like, I know that, you know, you both, you and Jason, your co-founder, you're from Vancouver, um, Vancouver. And obviously you worked at electronic arts, a, a big game studio as well prior. Like, was that helpful as you were building a gaming company, whether it was partnerships or, or staffing up or, or things like that? Like, was there a benefit to being in Vancouver, building a gaming platform? Yeah, we, you know, we also went to LA, you know, for accelerator program, um, you know, LA is, has the headquarters of a lot of gaming companies. Um, so us deciding to come back to Canada, uh, Vancouver specifically, you know, it's our home, but also, yeah, there are lots of gaming companies here, which, you know, it's about kind of network and, and, and help. So, you know, you can always go find someone in the Vancouver uh, kind of gaming community. There's a lot of people here who's worked through, you know, mobile games, uh, EA and, who can kind of give you some some advice? Um, so yeah, Vancouver is a very good place for kind of the gaming industry um, and be able to find people and, and and chat with. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, it's a good point that you talked about the the accelerator program. You were in LA. Like, I know that Battlefly historically they've raised a couple of rounds in in, in the past as well. Um, but gaming itself, especially as anybody who's built a game or gaming related things it's not the easiest to raise money or to get into specific programs um what was your kind of experience like um in terms of growing this company and and what I, i'm not sure if you raised from angels or vcs or accelerators but but like how did how did you kind of you know go through that go through that fundraising experience yeah i think uh launch had a lot of help for us at the very beginning which was great you know, there's a couple of those conferences. Um, there was, I remember, a trip to Seattle to meet a lot of angels. Um, so we had a lot of uh, pitches and demo opportunities with launch. So that was really, really helpful at the very beginning. And through that, we were able to uh, meet a lot of VCs, angels that way, and uh, which actually got us an opportunity to meet one of the uh, people from Amplify and, and uh, an accelerator program in L.A., so we did that uh, for four months, uh, drove down to LA. So that was really, really fun. A lot of work. Um, and, you know, we started networking in LA, San Fran as well. Um, so at the very beginning, I think the, you know, fundraising for us was 
a little unique in the gaming space um, as we're not like a traditional gaming studio, right? We're not necessarily saying, oh, we're building a game. We're kind of on the peripherals, kind of supporting competitive games. And it was something that people, especially 12 years ago, didn't really understand what esports was um, in the Western world. Uh, not like in, in Korea there, but you know, what we were able to kind of explain is, you know, the, the problem set, uh, we capped off our pitch with like a nice video of, uh, a large esports tournament, sold out stadiums, people cheering and the angels, VCs, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at this, like, what, this is really happening. Like people playing video games kind of professionally and, you know, fans go to stadiums and, and, and cheer and stuff. So, you know, we, we had a, uh, kind of way of capturing, um, their attention. So that really helped us kind of in the fundraising process. Did you feel like you had to pitch esports as an industry as well as Battlefy when you were kind of pitching? Yeah. Especially when we started, we had to explain what it was because, you know, I said I used the like basketball for nerds analogy. That was something we repeated often because people just didn't understand that that exists, right? So we had to get them to know what esports is and that, you know, people had that passion for gaming and that, uh, you know, we paired that value proposition up with some of the traction that we had. We onboarded, uh, you know, X amount of organizers in a short period of time. That was kind of enough to kind of sway some of the... uh, investors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of companies maybe maybe in the blockchain space maybe in the quantum space you know more more new tech um that that maybe an average consumer may not be familiar with may may really resonate with that just because i think they end up like explaining a lot of of you know forward thinking something that doesn't exist yet today or or exists but people don't know that there's there's an opportunity there Right. It is about uh, telling a captivating story, right? Everybody wants to hear like, oh, wow, this is what's going on. People like to use their imagination. So if you can kind of cater to that, um, that really helps. Mm-hmm. And I know we we talk a lot in fundraising about smart money, like, you know, investors with, with industry knowledge and, and things like that. Um, because the industry was quite new when you started fundraising, like, was that like, how did you kind of decide like, oh, I want to go investor A, not investor B? Um, like, what was that kind of thought process like? Well, I think, um, you know, we wanted to see investors who start resonating with our vision, right? They understand. Um, and there are uh, investors who are in kind of similar spaces, right? Whether it's um, kind of the sports and agencies kind of side of things mm-hmm. or actual like um they're on the board of like game companies etc right so there are people who start resonating and those people are are very valuable um and and kind of people we like to work with for sure for sure i'm going to circle back to to your thoughts on the gaming industry in, <laughs> in a little bit um but it's really funny because you know as as you know a member of an incubator, there's two questions that I get more than any other question. The first question is how do I raise money? Right. Like, and, and we've kind of talked about that a little bit. The other question is how do I find a technical co-founder? And I think right. you're the perfect person to kind of ask both these questions to, because, mm-hmm. because you, you were the CTO, but like, 
from from a perspective of like, hey, you know, Sally here's got a new company. She's non-technical. Um, she wants you to join her team. Like, what is the right way or what is the wrong way? Like, how how would you kind of go about analyzing like, you know, why you would join Project A or whatever? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think it's really getting to know and talk about talk to somebody and getting to know each other. Um, what your passions are, what your values are, and, you know, seeing if you can really work with someone, um, because it it is a grind, right? In the beginning uh, of starting a company. So you want to get to know that person well, because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. So I think for, uh, for me, you know, it's a very funny, interesting story. When we started, there was this co-founder speed dating event where I met my co-founder and it's a lot of conversations just about like what we care about, ultimately how ambitious you are. That's really um, something you want to align on as well. And then, uh, you know, talk about different ideas, right? How do you want to change the world? How do you want to uh, make a difference? And if things kind of line up, um, you have a good team there. And to you, to you does it matter for, for your co-founder, like, how technical or non-technical they are. Like, like let, let's say I pitch you on something and I start spewing nonsense mm-hmm. about PHP and servers and, and none of it actually makes any sense, but the concept is good. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, would that, would that matter to you? No, no. I, I, at the beginning, I think, you know, um, any of the details, I think, uh, matters a little less in, in that sense, you know, like tech stack and things like that. We've kind of rebuilt ours from the very beginning prototype as well. Um, it really is about kind of, uh, aligning yourself with, uh, you know, what you're passionate about, the values, and I think a good team covers each other's strengths. So I really kind of believe in, uh, teams of like two or three people, um, because you can really cover, uh, the, each other's kind of strengths and weaknesses, right? So Jason's very, very business oriented, very good at that. You know, I'm technical, um, but we both are able to kind of speak each other's language a bit. Um, and that's something I learned in my, you know, university integrated sciences program. It's really about kind of being able to talk to other disciplines, right? You don't have to know everything about in depth about each other, what they're doing, but you have to be able to talk and understand. So I think as long as you have a good team which covers each other's weaknesses, um, that is something that we actually heard uh, a couple of times from different angels where um, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're really investing in the team because you guys have good skill sets. You guys cover each other's weaknesses. We're kind of betting on you guys because you're going to change your idea many times. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And would you say as you guys kind of grew the team, because obviously it started with, I think it was just the two of you. And then I, I can't remember the the peak might be. 20, 30, 100. I can't remember the, the number. Um, but what was, what was your kind of thesis to growing the team? Yeah, I think uh, we always kept it very um, tight with the culture. Um, we wanted people who want to control their learning um, because it, you know, we're not going to pretend we're Amazon, right? Like, like we're just not going to compete like that, right? We're a smaller team. We want people who are passionate about gaming and control their own learning, right? So that's something that we've always kind of uh, looked for. 
And so we always tell people, hey, you know, if you're going to want to make a lot of money, go to Amazon. They're going to pay you a whole lot more. But if you want to learn more, if you want to dabble in different areas um, and you can control your own destiny, being at a startup uh, really makes sense. So we had some great uh, employees come through, you know, a, a developer who's very front-end focused and, uh, you know, came from um, kind of one of those like code academies. And they're like, hey, he wants to try project management, some design stuff. We're like, go for it. Why am I going to stop you if you're passionate about it? We'll work with them and, and just uh, give them opportunities. So I think that's what we, you know, always kept um, focused on, you know, people who want to learn and grow because that's what our company is doing. So if you have people who are on the same kind of trajectory, uh, it's going to be uh, a good time. And then in terms of growth and scale, would you say that like acquiring or even retaining talent was, was one of the more difficult things? Again, I, the reason I'm asking is because I think a lot of people in the audience are looking at maybe making some early hires here, whether it's in Vancouver and Canada, across North America. Um, um, and they're trying to figure out how to, how to formulate this because some of them listening will have come from different places. Maybe, maybe the pay skills are different. Maybe Mm -hmm. the, the cultures are different. Um, yeah. maybe it's a contractor style where they don't have employees. Like I, I'm not sure everybody's background, right. But, but it, it can be different from, from group to group. Right. So, so that's the reason how I'm trying to hone in on that. Yeah. I think, uh, we always got kind of lucky in the sense that everyone who joined BattleFi is very, very passionate about esports and gaming. So, um, we can kind of tell right away that they're very bought into the mission, um, you know, I've been lucky to work with a lot of people who sacrificed a lot of their time because they were so passionate, like they want to make this work. Um, so I think, you know, especially the first early hires, you want people who really understand what you're trying to do, your, your vision, your values. And, uh, those are people you really want to work with. Um, so I don't necessarily think you, think about like oh you know like employee retention things like that you want people who are really bought into your concept they're really like telling you like the problems in the space you know without you telling them um and once people are really excited about that they'll kind of that's one of the pillars of kind of retention anyways because they're really invested in that work um and that that's what they'll want to do to kind of stay with you mm-hmm and then, and then along those same lines of, of structure and, de- and departments and, and talent, uh, Raphael asked, how is your sale department structured? Uh, my co-founder was more in charge of that. Um, so, uh, I'm not entirely sure if there's anything specific along that, uh, that you're wondering about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raphael, you have something specific we can, we can try, but again, Seth Justin's the CTO, so. <laughs> So, so he's more focused on, on the tech stacks. Um, but, um, yeah, like going, going along that, like, what would you say was like the biggest lesson you learned growing, you know, this team or yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there, there are many lessons along the way. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest ones is, is, you know, personal growth and development, right. Um, as a founder it was very interesting to go from, Hey, I'm going to do everything myself to hiring people 
and having to kind of work with a team, a manage, and, you know, start getting out of the weeds a little bit. And it is very different skill set, right? To, you can kind of really go in um, very early days. You know, I was worried about every little detail. So it seemed like micromanaging, right? You know, you go in and micromanage everything. Uh, and then, you know, there was times where I kind of stepped back a little too much. It's like, wait a minute, what happened here? Why do we, why do we do this? Um, so I think as, as your company grows and as you, you, you grow and hire more people, uh, um, on your team, that was one of the personal growth and development lessons that I had, which, you know, really like when to, um, kind of interface with your team, making sure they know the expectations, guardrails around what you, you believe in. And how much, uh, how, how do you trust the team so they can do the best work? Um, it, it, it's a lot more difficult than, uh, I imagine when I started. Sure. For sure. And, and you guys like did a, did a pivot too as well, right? Like going from, from B2C focused to like B2B focused, um, maybe, and this is a follow-up question, maybe from, from the transition point. How did you start approaching other B2B companies, right? Like when you first kind of transitioned into that, like what, how did, what was the impetus for starting? Yeah, we, we, we brought in someone who was experienced in business development. So that really, really helped, you know, um, and they kind of brought in that, uh, sales and business development experience and build a, a team. Um, so there's a lot of kind of going out, reaching customers testing out value propositions um to a whole new different audience now right you know you start off with you know a product which you know we're, we're within the in our space it was you know organizers and players so that it was already a little complicated and now we brought in kind of third party which are you know businesses who want to be in the space but luckily we had brought in a lot of senior kind of experience where it's a lot of testing value propositions, right? And seeing who, which first customers are willing to be that first adopter and go, you know what? Hey, I'm going to trust you guys. I understand what you guys are doing. Um, you know, our, our first customers paid us very, very little because, you know, we were testing things out. We made, uh, some good promises and we delivered on the result. And once you do that, you can now put that on your homepage. You can put that in your sales pitch for the next, um, demo to new customers and it just snow starts snowballing you know your successes um gets more successes down the line when you hired your your bd lead was did that person come with their own rolodex and gaming already or like was that part of the attraction in terms to leaning towards them or like what what attributes um were attractive that led to that them getting hired it, yeah, I, I don't remember specifically, but uh, I know they had many years of uh, experience in the field, which is um, not necessary in gaming per se, but they were um, doing a lot of the similar things that we want to do, right? Hey, we've got this product service. How do you sell it to other businesses? So, um, you know, we had sessions of crafting value propositions, what we want to deliver, what was the initial kind of pitches that okay maybe we run five tournaments with you guys and and you know uh, this is what we could deliver with a little portal here you know some assets here so 
you know, a lot of kind of working together to just figure out what the value propositions are and, and going and testing that. So I think he, he brought a lot of experience in that. So definitely, I think, I think the takeaway is like, it's still a lot of experimentation. Even if you hire like a very experienced BD person, they're not going to save your company for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very in the mind of there are a lot of advice out there and people are successful from their own advice, which is great, but that advice doesn't necessarily apply to your business because you have your own unique value proposition. You may not be even in the same industry as that mentor advice. So listen to the advice, but really apply the parts that are relevant to you, right? You've got to really analyze the advice. So you're going to bring people in, you're going to have um, expertise, you know, skill sets, expertise. They're going to come in, but they're still going to work with you to figure things out, right? Because your business is different than the one that they came from. A lot of sense. Awesome. Um, and, and I know we, we've been talking a lot about Battlefy, a lot about gaming in general. Um, gaming itself, I, I wanted to touch on this a little bit. And I promised I'd come back to that. I know there's one or two gaming companies in the audience. So, so they'll mm -hmm. appreciate this. Um, they've been in the news a ton. Um, for those that don't follow, almost all of the news is bad news. Uh, every major gaming like developer kind of announced layoffs and, and it's, it's pretty heavy. Um, and then esports itself is they're they're basically suggesting it's not profitable as of right now, right? Um, so what is your perspective like? You know, obviously you've spent the last decade here in this space. Like, what is your perspective of what what's the what's the opportunity in gaming or or esports, depending on how which way you want to go? Um, but also like what needs what needs to change or adapt? Yeah, I think uh personal opinion. Um, the gaming space, I think, especially with, you know, the COVID, you know, everyone kind of staying home and, and it inflated a lot of numbers, right? Um, so there's a little bit of regression. Um, so I think, you know, when things are kind of hot and, uh, people invested a lot and now when things are kind of cooling, kind of going back to mean a little bit, the industry looks a little, um, riskier. But really, I think the opportunities are, are still there, right? It's very much about, um, you know, like you mentioned Power World, right? How did it blow up? Well, you listen to what the players want. You go to test the market and, you know, hits can still happen. People are still gaming. They're not, they didn't just disappear. Not everyone disappeared. So... Really, it's about building something fun for the players. And, and if you get back to that, rather than maybe just numbers, um, you can still have a lot of success. And I think it's a same thing, very similar thing in esports where, you know, there was a lot of investments a few years ago, right, coming in, which kind of inflated and, and, you know, put a lot of hype in the space. But the esports passion didn't go away, you know, because it hyped up, it kind of just regressing to a mean a little bit. Uh, esports is still a very long-term um, kind of ecosystem, right? You're going to have these kids who are now play, playing Fortnite. Ten years later, they'll graduate university. And then what happens? They have jobs. They have income. And esports gets better, right? Because they have spending money. So the longer uh, it goes, the more um, the players grow up, 
there's more, uh, it, it's more in mainstream. There's more cash that people actually have the gamers. Um, so esports is just going to get better over time. So I don't necessarily think, you know, just because if you look at a short term and there's some panic, uh, the, everything's kind of paving the way for esports to kind of take over a lot of kind of sports, uh, down the line. Mm. And in terms of like monetization models, like I know we're getting into nitty gritty into gaming. Like when you and I grew up, like Starcraft was 40 bucks. You pay 40 bucks, you give it to Blizzard. That's, that's how they make money. Right. Mm -hmm. And then came this whole kind of advertising thing. Like I didn't think that's where mobile games really came in handy where games were free to play, but then they threw a million ads at you. Candy Crush being like the worst mm -hmm. of it. Right. Like there's, there's so many ads. Um, and then nowadays I find that there's a lot of these subscription packages, right? These battle pass types and mm -hmm. the game is free, but you're paying $10 a month or, or whatever the number is, um, to, to get additional perks or, or something like that. Um, do you see that continuing to evolve? Or are there any trends that, that kind of, kind of interest you? I mean, monetization, I think it's great. Companies are experimenting, uh, in different ways. Right. Um, obviously companies need to make money. And so, uh, finding different ways of providing value and fun and be able to monetize it is very important. Um, I think, you know, the most important thing is to make sure like all of these are rewarding players in a way and players will engage with it. Um, there's lots of, you know, really cool battle passes, things like that. You know, it rewards you for, for playing, right? The more you play, you can um, earn these rewards in a game that you love playing. So it makes a lot of sense. And then oh, you, you kind of look at the, the price. Oh, it's $13 and I can unlock these features to make me be a little stronger or progress a little faster. You know, I think that conversation with the players is very important to see what values there are because if they really care about your game, they value it. Um, that monetary, you know, that, uh, exchange uh, makes a lot of sense that's amazing cool and obviously you know in the conversation in our last 40 minutes we talked a lot about gaming we talked a lot about esports um you made the personal decision to to step away from day-to-day -day at battlefy i think sometime sometime last year or late last year um could you walk us through that process not so much from a tmz perspective but also more from a you know for anybody that might be going through a similar thing like how would you advise them yeah, um, I kind of formally stepped away at the beginning of this year, um, the little transition, but yeah, it's very interesting kind of, um, process in my mind throughout last year. You know, it's been 12 years, uh, a very long time working on one thing. Um, and you know, for me, I kind of looked at, you know, oh, we've kind of got the team kind of set up and they're doing very good work. We're doing a lot of B2B businesses. We're repeating a, a model. Um, so for me, you know, there was a kind of personal, uh, decision on, you know, taking a step back and really evaluating, uh, my life and seeing what, uh, what opportunities there are out there for me. Um, and also, yeah, there's, a. Uh, you know, being quite a dedicated person, 12 years in a single idea. Um, there's a lot of kind of mental, uh, mental kind of thoughts to work through as well. Like, cause I, I've been very tied to Battlefy for so long, right? Like just got used to introducing myself, uh, as that, 
So, you know, really trying to work through who I am and, and that's a very interesting process I'm, I'm going through right now. Awesome. 12 years is a long, especially in your space, man. Like, can you imagine some of the esports pros right now that are 16 were four years old when you started? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a player general sniper, you know, he's like, you know, uh, the teenager basically. And, and, you know, when we started, they're like, yeah, very, very young toddlers. <laughs> so it's a, it's a long time. It's crazy. So outside of gaming, like, what else is interesting to you these days, you know, as, as a technologist, as a builder, um, like what are you kind of keeping your eye on and, and tinkering with? Yeah. To, um, you know, avoid sounding like I'm, I'm jumping on a bandwagon or anything. Uh, I was very interested in university around, you know, machine learning, AI, uh, robotics, et cetera. So, you know, kind of one of the reasons as well, you know, like last year, with ChatGPT and bringing up those to the the mainstream, uh, it sounds very exciting. So I'm uh, very interested taking some time right now to kind of dive back into some of the passions I've had around that area. So um, just uh, trying to keep sharp, learning a new programming language. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting problems that can be solved out there. What what programming language? Uh, yeah, I was introduced to uh, Elixir uh, in Phoenix. Um, it's a functional okay. programming language. Uh, it very much is kind of one-man shop where you could like build a lot of things. Everything's kind of like um, bundled together uh, where you can really build um, highly interactive, real-time, um, highly concurrent uh, products with it. So I'm very, very excited to uh, tinker around with it. Nice. Admittedly, I have no idea what any of the languages are, but I'm presuming this some the audience do. So if, if you are tinkering with those languages, hit Justin up and you guys can chat it up. Um, that's, that's really interesting. And, and so last question for me is, is like, what lessons would you now kind of take from your past startup into whatever you do next? I think I've just gotten like a little mental model of you know, how, if I was going to do something next, uh, what that would look like, right. You know, you know, find someone who is passionate, um, share same values as you, and then, you know, really time box, you know, your idea, you know, for example, like, you know, eight, 12 weeks or something, let's just go out, prove out this concept. If there's any traction, then we renew. Right. So I think it is very important to, uh, time box. Because you can accomplish a lot in a short amount of time, um, which then also help you because you're not dragging on like, oh, let's just build additional features or we add more. You really have to hone in on, hey, what is my MVP? That is going to test my value proposition. Get there, test it, and then make a tough decision of like, is it working? Is it not? So, you know, I'm going to kind of follow that uh model if i if i start anything um and you know that gets the velocity going and and i know also you're you're participating a lot with, with our launch community these days as, as a launch captain or, or mentors as folks outside launch would, would recognize it um are there specific topics that that you're more interested in 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 talking through or or about yeah there's three areas from battlefy uh the 12 years that i you know, got really passionate about 
One, of course, uh, technology, you know, which I started building uh, the product in. Two, I, when I, you know, had hired a lot more engineers, kind of moved into the product management role. So very interested in building a, a product that people love. And then as the team grew, um, I also am very passionate about kind of pe- people leadership, how to make sure that people are satisfied, have what they need to do their jobs and, and um, are excited to come into work. So Awesome. Appreciate that. And how should people connect with you? Yeah, I think uh, uh, for lots of people, I oh, check the Slack. Um, if, uh, if you want to connect with me, um, send me uh, on LinkedIn, a message on LinkedIn, uh, mention where you saw me, then uh, yeah, I'll get back to you. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Justin. This was a lot of fun for me. I know we've done, <clears throat> done this once or twice throughout the years, but it's always, it's always a pleasure kind of chatting with you and, and really appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's fun and therapeutic to be able to uh, talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah, for the folks that are listening, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, let me know who you want me to talk to next of the specific topics or specific entrepreneurs or founders um, that you want to talk to. And if you want to connect with Justin, like I said, he's active on Slack. He's going to be around our socials and events and different things like that. Um, and if you want to talk shop with him, uh, feel free. All right. For, for everybody else, uh, we'll be back again, I think in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, we're filming this on Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day for, for folks. Um, and then we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Launch AMA, a podcast that's part of the Launch Academy network of podcasts. If you like what you heard, give us a follow on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Launch Academy HQ. You might also like our other podcasts, Bits and Bytes and Founder Journey. This episode was hosted by Sam Chan and produced by Samson Lee. Learn more about what we do here at Launch Academy by going to launchacademy.ca. Consider joining our Launchpad program by going to launchacademy.ca slash launchpad. That's launchacademy.ca slash launchpad.